Hi there, I'm Jason. And I'm Joseph. And this is The Trek-In, a weekly-ish podcast talking all things Star Trek. It's, you know, we, we knew going into this that there was going to be a DS9 plot involved. But, like, the fact that it's the overall big bad, that it's the motherfucking Dominion. The, I mean, like, I know we're skipping ahead to almost the end of the episode, but, like, holy fucking shit. Like, I don't care. I don't care. Like, anyone else who's, like, still, like, Yes, they could still fuck up the whole entire season. They still totally could, but I'm still in love with every single thing that I saw in that last episode. I did, and the fact that it's Dominion just just made me squee like a little girl. When 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 Jack punches that guy and his face is the thing, you're like, wait a second, was that? What was that? What was, what what was that? And then you wait just one and a half scenes later, and they confirm it. It's a fucking changeling We're talking about the Great Link. And fuck, it's it's just a, a rogue terrorist group of changelings being assholes. Like, goddamn. I mean, listen, I'm I am also into changelings. I want to see how they tie in with Lore and Moriarty and whoever the fuck Vatic is. But I am I was instantly more hooked as soon as as soon as that reveal. Yeah, I think Vatic is also a changeling. That whole ship, um, I saw someone do a breakdown of the end credits and it's like one of the panels that had the same script writing as, um, as some of the things in the end credits, they compared it to um, Jem Hadar and Dominion writing. And they're very, very similar. So that ship is basically a Dominion ship. Okay. Um, so I think that it might be a, a changeling as well. That that also explains why they would have like psych profiles on Shaw if they've been infiltrating Starfleet. They know everyone, and, they, and then why everyone's been going after them because they, they've been everyone. Um, they can be anyone, exactly. so that makes sense. So I love that. So such a shame Renee Bergeron is not here. You know he'd be involved. He'd be in the show. I bet. I did like I did like the subtle call out. To it him, was though. you know like rest in peace, man. Like I just wish you were here because no one else could be a, an Odo but you. So never no recasting for that. Um, but like I I I I, I floored it. I remember I, as soon as I saw that and it was confirmed, I screamed out to this couple of my friends. Well, even you too. I just started screaming, like get the wake up. You sent me a message at like three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, like I don't know what the fuck you're doing, but wake the fuck up. Let's talk about this now <laughs> because it was just so intense for me uh, that the Dominion is involved. Oh, just it just gives me chills. I do wonder if that's the extent of the Deep Space Nine that we were getting in this is just the villain because I would still I would still like some cameos besides Worf. Yeah, I mean I would like some more than cameos. I'd like some direct character bait, but like we'll see what happens. Like I'm just waiting to see how it goes. My theory is that they're going to go to Daystrom. And it's, they're, they're going to, like, the, I think Daystrom has, as we discussed, like a whole bunch of those AI bots just laying there. I'm, maybe Lore wasn't stolen, but maybe Worf basically starts going through, like, who was here? Who could tell us what happened? And he finds Lore, and he finds Moriarty, and they tell him. Listen, man, I, I all I want is a live-action Badgie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, if Badgie's there. God, that would be fucking amazing. God, that'd be so cool. Oh, even if just a slight reference to Lower Decks. Make me happy. Make me happy with that, please. Um, so, I mean, so yes, the Dominion's there. It made me very excited. I'm still very excited. I'll be excited for another week. I hate that I have to wait a few days for, for, for another episode. 
Um, but the episode itself was was well paced. Um, the the scene. So one of the things that we all were waiting for was the the excuse, the reason that Beverly was going to give us to not tell Picard and anybody else that you have a son. And I was like waiting to hate it. And I was waiting to just fuck. Like you can't do this right. You know? And even when the conversation started, I'm like, eh, it's a little weak. But as it built up like a, like a fucking crescendo, like a built on top of itself to finally just ended up being like the line she said, I'm trying to, I'm going to try to remember. It's like, I don't think I could have taken care of your son. I've got the line if you want. Oh yeah. So please, please. It was, I knew I could protect my son. I didn't know if I could protect yours. Yeah, exactly. And that just says it all. They're both right. What Picard's saying, what Beverly is saying, they're both right in like, she, she has no right. But the ultimate thing at the end of the day is she's completely right about that one fact. And I totally understand why she just vanished. Like her going Robin Hood on everyone, like, all right, like that's a whole different conversation about her politics and being, you know, like a rogue agent in the Federation going with where Starfleet had forgotten. You know, there's a lot of lot of stuff to unpack there. But the ultimate reason of why she did what she did, I bought into it. And I think it worked. And the, the, the drama between the two actors and the two characters just had me at the edge of my seat. I think for me, I still didn't completely buy it, but the actors did sell the hell out of it, right? Like I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a very compelling scene. I still don't really exactly think that could be dead already. Look, look what they did to Picard in order to like within canon. Just the list that she gave. I mean, beyond the fact that he was cloned in order to like have a of oneself put into the thing. Every single time someone is trying to kidnap or kill Picard. If he had a son, can you imagine what other villains would do? I find it difficult for her to be like, you him, you having you being in his life would put him in danger when like the very nature of the life that she leads with him also puts him in danger. That's a different kind of danger. It's a danger. It's a different it's, it's a lower stakes danger. danger. I mean, we're talking about okay, so for you to not be able to buy into this, you have we have to talk about superhero identities. I mean, Peter Parker. Anyone who has a secret identity, the Flash, the reason why they talk about keeping things secret is not because they don't want the attention. It's because whenever they do, it always hurts the ones they care about. It hurts May. It hurts MJ. It hurts anyone who knows who they are. And in this case, the superhero is Jean-Luc Picard. So Beverly being like, I don't want anyone knowing that this came from you because otherwise that kid's dead. Using the same logic, if you buy into any of those superhero movies, unless you're saying that's all bullshit. So if you're, if you have to either say allow it to exist in both of those, in both of those ways. I guess they got me like eighty five percent of the way there. You think Peter Parker is an asshole for keeping himself a secret for keeping it secret? Then I think Peter Parker is an asshole for other reasons. Well, no, it's just about this. Just about this. Oh my god, Joseph! Just saying, it's easy. It's okay for me to not fully buy into their logic. I'm just saying the logic is already established in other media's that you already buy into. Super villains don't exist in this universe. Um, hello. I want you to hold. I want you to think about what you just said. We're dealing with universal ending threats all the time, but like... Which are equivalent to supervillains. I guess. No, not I guess. That is. I mean, every single movie in Star Trek that we've gotten, 
even all the series has some element of a super villain, except Discovery, which gets metaphorical and abstract. But for the most part, there are every super- season of Discovery is a supervillain. Yeah, yeah. Every, every it's an abstract supervillain, but still supervillain. But even when you have one individual, Shinzon is a supervillain. You know, I mean, like it's it's there. He's not that super, but he is a villain. Super Q was a supervillain for most of TNG. That that is arguably true. Yes. Yes. So like you do have these larger than life villains for these larger than life heroes. So it establishes you have heroes, you have villains. Supervillains, it's it's not superhero logic, but it still it still works within that. At the end of the at the end of the day, I still think it was a very crummy thing for her to do. Yes, but that's the point. What Picard said is also completely true. You had no right to take away my biggest decision I can ever make. I know now that I will not be my father, but I could have come to that decision twenty years ago. I could have been a husband. I could have been a father. His heart is broken. Yeah. What what could he have been? Yeah. What could he have been? So he's right. I'm not. I'm not saying Beverly is out of, out of the forest. But like, her reason does make it like, all right. I do understand completely why she did it. It sucks and it's tragic, but that's the beauty of it. It is tragedy, and tragedy makes for excellent drama, which is why I'm like, I'm here for it. I do. I do like that she and him did did address the accent. Yes, I grew up in London. Okay, that was good. That's good enough for me. I just wanted something for that. And uh, that makes as much sense as anything else. Yeah, that I agree with. How did you like uh, the scene towards the beginning with the de-aged Picard and Riker? Uh, I mean, de-aging technology is... You know, sometimes I hear people bitching about it, like Arkin and with Leia, and I don't see it. I'm like, it looks great. I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. Stop bitching. Let's just be thankful that we have these things. And And then something like this hits, and I'm just like, could could look could have looked better. The thing is, it's not even a matter of looks. Like Riker looked great, Picard. Eh. Um, but with Picard, it was also you don't change the voices. I mean, while while Jonathan Frakes basically sounds almost exactly like he did back in the day, like his voice has not changed that much. Picard's Patrick Stewart's has changed so much around the time of Logan doing the movie Logan. You, I noticed Patrick Stewart's voice went from like, mm, I am bold, strong to, oh, I got a little bit of that old man rasp going on. And like in Logan, it worked perfectly. But any other movie beyond that, suddenly you're like, ooh, yeah, Patrick Stewart's getting old. I mean, he's amazing. He's still great. I'm just saying you're de-aging the face, but you're not de-aging the voice. So They could have thrown a little synthesizer on it. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit in order to clean it up a little bit. But, it, but other than that, like, it was meh. But like I get why they did it. I, I'm not even talking about like the effects. I actually just think it's a good scene. Oh, it was a good scene. Drinking at a bar, you know, celebrating the birth of Riker's first child. Mm-hmm. Marina Sirtius in the background being like, bring the whiskey. Get your, get your ass over here and bring that damn whiskey. And he forgot it too. He probably caught hell for that. And I like the fact that we're reminded about Thaddeus, um, that he existed. So like it becomes a little more poignant when Riker's like, listen, I know what I'm doing. Trust me to like you know, follow my lead to take care of your own son and, and register where you're acting a little bit nuts. So here's here's my only gripe with the episode, to the point where I had this big conspiracy theory in the back of my head going on for a little while because I so didn't like it. Oh, I know where this is going. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Like, there is no way in any timeline that Riker knowingly would talk that way to Picard, especially on the bridge of a ship. There's no way, even if Picard's acting insane, which he, he was a little bit, 
He was. He was craving violence. Yes, he was. He woke up and he chose violence because he has a son now. And Riker knew it and was like, calm your, calm your fucking shit. You even said, we've got to get everybody home. So that's the job. Let's do it. Yeah, I felt like the conversations they were having is something they would be, they would be like pulling aside to the ready room. Like not, I, I don't think they would, they would do this whole mommy, daddy, mommy hit daddy shtick in front of the crew. I think that was just, it was just too much happening. They couldn't have it in a ready room. It was just too much going on. So it had to happen there. And Picard just wasn't letting it go because he was just over commanding on top of, on top of Riker. So I get Riker being like, all right, well, he is Jean-Luc Picard. You kind of, I, I will abide by his lessons sometimes. And he did this time, and it was a bad decision. It was a pretty bad decision. They had no tactical advantage at all. And, he, and Riker was just like, just give it everything. Just, that's it. Just throw a whole bunch of torpedoes at him. Which, again, if three torpedoes is everything, it's kind of sad. Um, but thank God that's all they did, because the ship is still in one piece to do whatever it's going to do. Um, but the way Riker talked to Picard after was like, what the fuck is that? To the point where, again, I came up with this, like, okay, well, maybe it's a plan, and, like, Picard, you know, he just wanted to make sure if there was a changeling on board that he thinks Picard is is, is dehumanitized, and now Picard's going to go and do something else, you know, and think that it's all, it's all over. Like, whatever. I don't know. But, like, that's where my brain was going, because I couldn't imagine Riker speaking to Picard that way, especially considering the dire nature of what was happening. Like, you just killed us. Like, ugh. Like, no, you don't say that in front of your crew in at, in general, you know? So it's, it's just, that was, that was weird. And I'm trying to see whether that's going to go somewhere or if it's just like uncharacteristic writing or just to show that Riker is really pissed right now. Right. Um, but we'll see. But that was the one thing that I had about this episode. I'm like, that rubbed me a little bit in the wrong way. That made me like, think like, oh, maybe Riker's a changeling and yada, yada, yada. I'm like, oh, And legitimately, like... I feel like they could have escaped if they had just like, they were so close to escaping the first time when the Shrike was actually like had a lock on them and was following them because of the sabotage. Yeah. I feel like they could have fucking gotten out. Yeah. I mean, it's the fun with portals though. That's the whole thing. Like they, the Shrike would have just kept. And they knew they had the portal technology. So like, you don't think they're going to use that to fucking fire your own torpedoes at you. I know. I mean, that's, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, like obviously it was bad commanding. And I think that's the point. That there was just no synergy about what they should be doing. Obviously, we know that the next there's going to be some hail mary coming from this organic nebula. Nebula, you know. So I'm like, is it wormhole aliens? Is it V'ger? Is it like which, which what thing are we pulling from Star Trek's past? It's or, Benjamin Sisko. Yeah, are we going to get like if it's Avery Brooks popping up and be like, dude, <laughs> this is my backyard go away you know like great awesome it j- i'd just be like it, but it's gotta be it's gonna be something yeah i know i mean there's definitely something down there apparently like this is some sort of a life form and there's a huge gravity well so something's happening mm-hmm. yeah and i'm sure it will surprise us um because like, i literally have no idea what it's gonna be also <laughs> i don't know if you caught this when beverly was talking in that scene that we were just discussing but she was like I lost my husband, I lost my son, and I'm like, Wesley's, he's not dead. He's still out there somewhere. Yeah, but she means lost to the stars. Like, you, you saw like Wesley is not coming home for Christmas. He's um, on some kind of Star Trek. I don't think I could talk anymore. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
You don't want to talk. You don't want to talk about the line where uh, Picard says, "Hey Riker, maybe it's time that you called me number one." And he just has that fucking goofy look. I thought that so, was really cute, but now I don't want to talk about anyone. <laughs> you ruined it. Um, yeah, that was a very very cute line. But yeah, but the whole what Beverly was saying—that's the point. Like she's lost everything to the stars, and she's like, "I'm not." But yet, going back to what you said, like, but you're still out there. You're doing stuff in the stars. It's not like you're living on a farm in Delaware. You know, you chose this life too, Beverly. But I get not wanting to lose it to the grandiose element that Picard and other members of her family often did. Right. That's what that is. But yeah, the the line, you know, like you can call me number one now. And that's the whole point. After you're coming from that such endearing moment... You know, we're like, oh, that's really sweet. And then the next few scenes are just Picard losing his mind and becoming a psychopath. So it's like all the all the joy and the sweetness of that one moment just kind of get corrupted more and more and more and more poisonous. And you're just like, Ugh. And also from a meta perspective, like, we don't want to see that. We don't want to see our friends fight like that. No, we don't. It's mommy and daddy who's who's been butching Sundance this entire time. And having been a fantastic time. I've been loving it. You know, it's like you don't see Kirk and Spock fight like that. Right. Like you don't. You would never do that. It, it would make you feel unwell. You don't see Data and Picard really fighting like that, except for that time of descent, part one. But it's just, it, it just felt wrong, you know, as it happens. So again, I'm hoping that it, it's part of the story. Well, we're going to find out. Yeah. Um, Raffi and Worf, I, I love them. I love them. I'm happy that they exist. I like the, the good cop, bad cop thing. That, that kid, I didn't realize that was John Connor from uh, Sarah Connor Chronicles and actually also played uh, Picard's son in Star Trek Generations in the Nexus. So, Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah. I did not know that. He has two sci-fi alum parts under his belt, and now he's playing a two-bit changeling. Interesting. Yeah, no... I love new improved Worf. He's great. Yeah, he looks great. He really looks great. I love the silver hair and, and the the look he's got going on. He's I love the way he he's, he's Worf. I love him. Yeah, no, he is very much, and I honestly I feel like it probably has a lot to do with the fact that Michael Dorn has has a lot of love for his character. He feels like it. He feels like a natural extension of the wharf that we saw in TNG. And not only that, but this wharf is heavily based on the way Michael Dorn's been trying to pitch to everyone what Worf's character would be in his own show. So they're like, all right, well, here's your chance to be that version of Worf. So Michael Dorn's been working on this version of the character, and it's been in the back of his head for a long time. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I was completely indifferent to the idea of a Worf show, but like... I would watch this yeah, for sure. I would definitely like I, and I love that his bit has gotten longer. <laughs> Did you see the meme? Yeah. With, with all those, like, you know, like slaughter of, of, of Gowron. And then it goes father of Alexander. Who? Nope. Not even a little bit, but he did. He did. He did at least acknowledge the the house of Roshenko. Yes, he did. He did acknowledge his adopted parents, which is nice. That's nice. Um, it is nice. But not Alexander. Well, Alexander was a really shitty character. <laughs> he was a shitty character out there doing shitty things. Probably. Here we are, Picard going, making this whole thing about sons and fathers and everything else. And Worf's still like, fuck my kid. I don't give a shit. <laughs> 
I mean, even TNG and Next Gen pretty much forgot yeah, about even Alexander. DS9. I think there was he only was on one episode, right? Of DS9. Yeah, I think I think he was on like one episode where he kind of came back and he was like a moody teenager. Yeah, because he was on a ship. He was on like Martok ship. Yeah, and he was like, was. And he, I don't remember how that panned out, but he was just like, like, dude, get another job. You're not good at this. <laughs> it didn't pan out well. No, no. Go and uh, okay. we could just forget about him. <laughs> But yeah, I loved I loved Worf. I loved his new weapon. I love that he's been working on himself. And I'm not a huge fan of the Rafi character, but I like them together. I, I wish that we didn't have two seasons of her being done wrong. Right. In the back. Because if like if you just picture this is Rafi, this is how we get to know her. I'm I'm here. Like I love the addict side of her. We just they just never really gave it any development. And finally, like they found a way for story and character development to to coincide, where you feel it and you feel her anger and you feel her like frustrations and her trying to be a good officer, but she has all this other shit going on too. So I like it, like, but only, only if I forget the first two seasons of Raffi done wrong, right? And I think that's generally how I'm trying to approach Picard season three. Well, everyone's like, oh, well, they really screwed up. So fuck this season. I'm boycotting it. I'm like, this is the season that it should have. This is the, sh- been the should have been the show the whole time. This should have been the kind of energy and the kind of thought and the kind of flow that we should have been getting from from day one. And we didn't. So here we are. But let's be thankful maybe to that we have now. Maybe it's too little too late. But I am enjoying this show a lot. I am too. I am too. I hope we get I hope we get more Deep Space Nine stuff. Me too. Um, but other than that, I mean, I'm and also minus Picard being a murder machine. Oh my god! A little bit. Picard. He's he's just he's been thrown into the fatherhood, and he just he's going full like angry angry Joel, but like geriatric Joel, where he's not functional at all with it. It's just very sad. It's very yeah. sad. It is very sad. Um, but I mean, I'm still in, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. I, I wish that seven had more to do because she's still kind of just confined. Yeah. And I'm, she, I mean, I don't think there was much she could do for the story that they have going on. So it's like, all right, just leave her in the background. I get that. I'm hoping that, that she will, that there'll be some more focus put back on the seven. I like that LaForge called her commander seven. That to me was was very nice. I, I dug that. Yeah, I like I like Sydney from LaForge. She's uh she's good. Me too. Can't wait can't wait for her dad. Who do, who do you think is going to be the next uh, character to pop up? It's got to be LaForge, right? It's got yeah. I think LaForge. I think LaForge, or um, it'll be it'll be Lore, um, because I know that Worf is going to Daystrom. So where are heroes going to be meeting? Because there's got to be a gathering where the two parties meet, right? So wherever, wherever, wherever the wormhole aliens or whatever the fuck is going to be in that nebula, throw Picard. There's got to be a, a thing where they meet up next. So either the Forge is on the other side of that. Maybe the Forge is already at Daystrom for whatever reason. Could be. And so he's there. And so we'll be seeing the Forge and Lore at the same time. Because again, I still am holding true to my theory that that's why we get Moriarty and Lore is that they're like. All right, who can help us out here? And Laura's like, "Hey, I'm here." No, 
And Moriarty is like, come on, I'm here. Let's just have a little game. Like, no. So we're going to get moments of those happening. Maybe Lore will stow away and prove himself useful. Who knows? But it's possible. That's my theory. Also, also if we're going to get another Deep Space Nine cameo or character, I hope it's O'Brien because he's got a TNG connection too. Yeah, he does have a TNG connection. It would be nice to see it. What was the last thing we heard? He was he was on Earth doing... Um, he was teaching, right? At the teaching, Academy. Yeah, at the Academy. Okay. Yeah, that'd be nice to have O'Brien there. Be nice just to have anybody. I love DS9 deserves way more, way more appreciation than it's ever been getting. I agree. All right. So we're in for next episode. Of course. Until then. Until then. All right. So follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Trek In Pod. And feel free to send us any questions, concerns, comments, complaints at the Trek In Pod at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Jason. And I'm Joseph. Thank you for listening, and we will trek in with you next week. Hailing the frequencies closed. Good night.